All right, everyone. How are you doing? I'm Sergio from the Dodgeball Podcast. And in part two of the Euros recap from Drotkin, ah, Drotkin I'm going to butcher that, but I'm going to keep it. <laughs> I have with me uh, from the England squad. So, uh, hi, I'm Brett. I played in the men's and the mixed division. I was vice captain of the men's team um, and, yeah, uh, took part in the mixed division as well. And um, I'm Charlotte Josiah, and I was in the women's team and the mixed team, and I was the captain of the women's team and vice captain of the mixed team. Oh, okay. Um, I was like, I knew one of you guys was like double captain in something. It was you. Uh, <laughs> it was, if in doubt. <laughs> if, in, if in doubt, it's, it's Josiah. Got it. So I wanted to get a player's perspective on the event itself, um, talking about from the lead up to the day of, or days of, because it was a four or five day event, and overall what they're looking forward to next year in Croatia. Um, so we'll start with Charlotte. Where were you when you found out this this event was actually going to uh, take place? And what was your first impression of it? Um, I can't remember where I was exactly when. I think there was talk of a Euros for a while and where it would be. Um, but obviously the, you're nervous because whether it will actually go ahead, obviously, because of COVID and and we've had numerous lockdowns. Um, so, yeah, as soon as I knew that was definitely going ahead, it was definitely something that, you know, I wanted to be a part of, um, especially as I haven't played since 2018 because I had a year off to have my first child. And then my, my whole goal for this season was to make sure I was fit enough to get to... Um, to, to this Euros because um, my son's only, well, he was n he's nine months. So I wanted to make sure I was back on court, back in, in the white shirt for England. So, yeah, I was happy it was going ahead, but I just needed to make sure personally I was ready for it. What about you, Brett? <clears throat> yeah, so um, similar to Charlotte in the sense that I also didn't go to the last Euros in 2019. I was actually in Croatia at the time, which is uh, where the next one is. Um, wow. So, yeah, my last one was actually 2018 in Italy, so four years ago. Um, and so it was sort of mixed feelings, really. I think the, the, the time out made me want to get back onto the international scene um and to sort of have you know i felt sort of we've been robbed a little bit of two years of good good international tournaments um and then i suppose you know the the, the sort of uh performance in 2019 i felt we could improve upon that and i felt like i could be a part of that to sort of uh, push us on again so I, I was sort of determined to to see if we could improve go better again we had a lot of new players in the squad as well uh, some debutants and so I thought really it'd be a good chance to sort of get get back in with the side and I obviously uh, really enjoyed it. For sure and we'll definitely talk about those uh, debutants in a bit. So um, I wanted to talk to you guys about what it felt like once you found out your team sheets going into um, into uh, Euros when when you found out you guys were going to end up playing together which is an interesting perspective because I've always interviewed players who either played on the men's side or players that played on the women's side. But you guys pretty much swept every selection and you guys are playing together. How is that experience like and what was your anticipation from, let's say, from Brett? What was your anticipation playing with Charlotte and vice versa? Yeah, so uh, Charlotte and I have obviously played mixed for a number of years together, uh, Euros, Worlds, a number of places. So, um, and prior to last weekend, we actually had never lost together. So we were in a pretty, uh, pretty good streak of playing together. Um, so the history of that side is really good. It's the most 
successful England side. Uh, you know, it's won every World Championships. It's won uh, every European Championships, barring one now. So um, I I think there's a lot to be said for playing with people that you've played with before and you've got chemistry with and that you have the same understanding. And I think, you know, we saw that throughout the tournament, that that side that had played together a number of years were able to, to just pick it up so easily and have that level of understanding. And so I think maybe one of the takeaways from the England side is is to sort of understand how important that can be in sort of not just mix, but going forward, um, looking to the future. That's a positive, I think, that we can take out of it. What about you, Charlotte? What, what, what were you... Uh... What were your expectations playing with uh, Brett and how was that like when you found out you would be on the same team sheet in mixed? Um, yeah, so as Brett said, I've I've actually never played. I, don't, I think Brett will be the same. I don't think I've ever played mixed without Brett on my team. Yeah. So we've always been on the same team um, <laughs> and historically. So obviously we both missed the 2019 Euros for different reasons, but we both weren't there for that. So I think we'd, we'd spoken before going into that tournament you know, our expectations were high because we've, we've never lost. We'd never lost a game of mix before. So, um, yeah. And as Brett said, you know, the chemistry getting, it was like kind of almost, it felt like getting the gang back together yeah. because we had, <laughs> we had a lot of um, experienced players because you look at uh, my husband has, has been part of that mixed team for um, a number of years. So Matthew Josiah, then you've got Alex Harrison in there me and Brett and then um, Lauren Hems, historically we've played a lot of mixed dodgeball together. So it was, and been very success, successful. So it, so my expectation of it was just, you know, we'll, we'll get back together and, you know, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll boss it really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it did, it, on, on the stream, it looked like you guys didn't skip a beat, but it also was evident to me and, when I spoke with Max early on was that the play level increased across the board. So the likelihood of you guys being challenged on the mix side, particularly was definitely higher because the past two years, something happened over there in Europe where players that you guys used to, or teams that you guys used to walk over. Now they're putting up a bit of a dogfight. It's fair to say. Yeah. I mean, I think the standard definitely has increased across the board. I mean, uh, Sweden, for example, when we played them in the groups and the third place have just improved so much, um, just for one example. Um, and then, yeah, across the board, it's been really good. I think knockout sport is very difficult because obviously you have to be absolutely at it and anything can happen in sort of 30 minutes. And I think if I look back on that weekend, even though the men's came second and the women's came second and the mix came third, I actually think over the four days the mixed team were pretty much perfect for every game except possibly 15 minutes of the semi-finals. Now, obviously, that's that's an, that's the consequence of knockout sport because you have to be at it when it matters. And so yeah. I look back and think that side was pretty much perfect all weekend. And there's maybe not as far to go as we think. But yeah, credit to everybody else. They stepped up massively and, and the teams have got so much better across Europe. For sure. Um, I could definitely say that because... Uh... I think this was actually the first Euros where every court was televised. And yeah. I wish I took a picture of it because during that weekend, I was in a tournament in Seattle and I had this Airbnb and I'm not kidding you. When I sit here, I said I had the, the streamed court on my phone with the commentary and I had every TV on, on a different matchup with no commentary. 
would have been the most funniest visual. But I, I remember <laughs> thinking like, oh, this is epic. Let's, let's, let's do all this. Let's, let's stream every court at, at one point because, you know, sometimes in the past, you don't get to see some of those upsets that happen off court or off stream. Now this year, for one reason or another, I mean, the, the production level definitely stepped up and that's something uh, I definitely want to give nod to uh, for Dodgeball Netherlands on that end. But speaking of which, um, I wanted to ask, and we could start with you, Brett, what was your first impression when you landed in the Netherlands? Was this your first time there? or um, I've been there before, I think, on a judo competition. I think we went um, when we were younger, but uh, it's a super flat country. Everybody cycles everywhere, and I think cyclists have priority, so watch out because you'll lose your legs. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's nice, it's clean, it's flat. Um, we dropped dropped in Amsterdam, which was a great place, but then we had to get quite a long train to uh, Groningen, where we stayed, and then that was a bit of a journey again to Drachten after that. So it's it's difficult because obviously, you know, Max touched on the fact that the venue has to be right and price has to be right, and I think part of that means that it's not necessarily easy to just host it in Amsterdam, where everybody can just land and and, and stay. And so I think it was a great venue. It was a great vibe. Um, maybe it could have been closer. But again, if that means extra costs for players, then at this stage in the sport, it's probably not worth doing that. But I thought, you know, I, I liked the venue. There were no issues with it. But I don't know what you thought, Charlotte. Yeah, I think one of the one of the biggest things for me is like the court floor. Because yeah. I think sometimes you can go somewhere and the court floor is not, not great. But I thought it was really good. And yeah. so it it lent itself to be in a really good tournament as soon as you stepped in it just had a really good atmosphere and and the way the courts were set up means that spectators could see all courts from from where they were sitting so it was quite good um to be able to watch the courts even though they were kind of further like the the back courts were that little bit further away but you could still see them so my first impression of the venue was really really good and when i stepped out um, during the opening ceremony, I always have a look at the floor, and and I was and I was happy with the floor. And I think I think a lot of players, especially because you you want the grip. So especially when you're planting your foot for throwing, you don't want you know to not have the grip there. So um, yeah, I thought it was really good. And as same as Brett, we we kind of um, flew into Amsterdam, and then but we hired a car, so we actually had a car to be able to get around um, from our hotel to the venue and to the airport. So. That 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 was that was good for 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 me to be able to you know have have the vehicle out there, um, but you know if 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 it was closer to Amsterdam, I guess the cost is going to be more. Um, so you have to weigh it all up, and it swings and roundabouts really to to what whether you then sacrifice the venue for it just being closer, or do you have a better venue that's just that little bit further away? So it, it's weighing up. It's I, I guess it's a massive task to be able to organize such an event and i wouldn't want to do it so <laughs> i'll pass as well <laughs> <laughs> i think we could all agree on passing on that as well but um what was your impression of the country as a whole was that your first time over there charlotte um no i've been to holland or uh, the netherlands quite a lot um so growing up um we used to go over there camping and um or even driving through um to get to belgium or to get to wherever we, we were kind of traveling um, growing up. So I've been there a couple of times and I've actually been there um, as an adult as well to Amsterdam specifically. Um, so yeah, it was a, I, I like going back there. Um, yeah, it's just a nice, welcoming, warm country. So when whoever mm. you speak to, 
they you know they they're always uh, polite welcoming and, and and eager to help if you want directions or to know where the best restaurant is in town or whatever so they're always really welcoming um so yeah i i really like the netherlands hmm. i'm gonna make a weird comparison because it just crossed my mind so obviously being in north america the number one trope is canada is very polite very welcoming very warm would you say the netherlands are kind of like the european version of canadians kind of way in that sense making that comparison so um, I, was, I, I was thinking americans are very warm and welcoming as well very, very friendly whenever i've gone yeah well you've met the right ones <laughs> <laughs> you met the right ones we'll say that <laughs> yeah they are very friendly they're very helpful um like one of the nicer european countries for sure <laughs> <laughs> it was just a weird comparison that just clicked in my head. I'm like, I got to say this, if not for the laughs. Um, so you guys already touched on it. What was it like on the opening ceremony? You guys haven't played on the international stage in two years. You guys are waving that England flag, marching on the stage or the courts. There's got to be an overwhelming sense of pride. Did either of you uh, tear up during the moment or not to call anyone out, but do you know of anyone who did during that time? <laughs> I don't know about getting teary or emotional, but I always get goosebumps. Mm. And I can't really, I, well, obviously I can't control it, but I always get goosebumps whenever I step out. And I think that is just from a sense of pride and actually anticipation of the tournament ahead. I think it's just kind of, you know, game face on and you want to be there. You want to, you're there to do a job. Um, but yeah, I guess that's a, a pride thing. You walk out, especially when, you know, you're holding the flag, you walk out and you are, part of the England team which I'm immensely proud of you were the one holding the flag uh yes I was joint holding it with the men's captain Ryan Neal so we walked out together oh okay I think I missed that on stream but I was wondering because I saw a couple people holding like variety of flags but I don't remember um seeing you guys holding the flag so that's actually pretty cool you you were holding the flag leading the march yeah yeah, we came out. Um, I think there was a number of England flags around the back, like in between the players as well. But me and Ryan came out holding it. So we had a line of women behind me and then a line of men behind Ryan. And then we led out. So, yeah, we were, I think we might have been second out, were we? Yeah. Like, well, second or yeah, third? Maybe. Yeah. So that was nice then because then once we were out, we could then see all the other nations come out and all the, I mean, for me, I like to see all the different kits. <laughs> or the different shirt. <laughs> okay, Aldrin. I didn't know he was on the podcast too. Um, <laughs> not, that, not, not that I collect any of them. I just like to see them. <laughs> oh, I mean, same. I'm not gonna lie. Same. Um, it, it's funny you mentioned that because was it the Swiss, Austrian, and there was another nation that had similar kits. Yeah. And Zoe um, from Manchester Bees, who plays on uh, Switzerland. Um, she got mixed up in different huddles or crowds because of the similar kits. <laughs> I was, I'm trying to remember who it was because I know it was. Is it Hummel? All the Hummel kits. Yeah. With the what kits? They're sponsored by Hummel, and I think they did Austria, Switzerland, Sweden. So there was some sort of. Oh, okay. So yeah, and by design, they all look similar. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that had to be an awkward pick. Um, like, <laughs> not in this team huddle. Like, no, get out of here. <laughs> no, nah, she was doing she was doing research for her podcast, so I got to give her credit for that. Uh, 
But um, let's let's talk about the debutants that uh, Brett Koenig um, alluded to. Who were the ones that you were looking forward to seeing the most? And we could start with you, Brett, um, on the men's side. Yeah, I mean, from a slightly biased perspective, because uh, he plays for my club team, Nathan David, I was looking forward to watching. Um, like, he's shown at times this season what he's fully capable of. And I think this has been his best season to date for Meteors in terms of really going... I mean, I'm not saying I thought he had a ceiling necessarily, but I thought perhaps there was a certain level he could get to, um, which is a very, very, very high level. And I think he smashed through that ceiling at these Euros and he was just absolutely exceptional. He played next to me at five, I played at six. um, And I just thought he was absolutely brilliant all tournament. I think his attitude was spot on. um, And I mean, he's very similar like mentality to myself. Like we're, we're very sort of chatty on court. We say a lot. We, we can easily like shout at each other and then just be best friends a second later. Like there's no issues there at all. Um, yeah. But I just thought he was brilliant all weekend. So I, I really look forward to seeing him. I hoped um, he would get the game time and step up. And so big shout out to ND, absolute stumble guy. who's brilliant. I also thought he was phenomenal from a mixed point of view, because for me, I've only ever played next to you, Brett, as, and, and yes. you've called everything. So for me, he came in at six and I played at five in the mix and he was very receptive to to like the tactical side of it because mix is very different. Yeah. Um, so he would, he'd be asking me, oh, Charlotte, what should I do there? So even from in training in the lead up to Euros, he was very receptive to, you know, the tactical changes and um, the way he played. So he changed up the way he played from men's to mix yeah. because you have to. And I thought that he he did a really good job in the mix and, um, whenever he he came on, he was he was brilliant. To be honest with yeah, you, yeah, that's it. And I think I think as well from a slightly biased perspective for the men's side of it, Sergio, he's not he's not quite a debutant because he has played a little bit in Newcastle when I wasn't there. But uh, I don't know if you saw much room on screen. Nathan Christofferson, um, I think he sort of played in the middle three ish. Um, again, he he came in probably not guaranteed of much game time. And he literally worked his way in just by performances. He performed. Ev- you don't get a lot of shots necessary to get in that team. Um, you, if you're on the sort of fringes of it, you've got to get on, have five minutes, maybe make a catch, make a hit and, and stay alive. And he just worked his way into the team the whole tournament, so much so that he was you know, starting in the semifinals and arguably could have started in the final. So I'm going to give a shout out to him as well. You said Christofferson. What's his first name? You cut off there. Yeah, uh, Nathan Christofferson. Nathan Christopherson. Um, he plays on Meteors, right? Yeah, another, another, another. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, you could you could be biased in your shout out. This is your your time to uh, <laughs> to share that. I mean, no one's no, going to argue with that. And if they want to argue with it, they can reach out to me. I'm not that hard to I, find. I thought they were good. I thought they were really good. I think what the men struggled with a little bit, like on reflection, I think stylistically, is you you have maybe five Meteors, I don't know if that's five, one, two, yeah, five Meteors, five Spartans, maybe a Ranger. And so everybody plays differently for their club level. Um, and then obviously Bedford Eagles as well, uh, who play probably more similar in historically to, to we do. Um, and so trying, just having six great players is always a great thing, but then having the styles fit is, is quite difficult. And I think it took the men a little bit of time to find that, I mean, we absolutely found it in the semi-finals against Austria. I thought it was an unbelievable performance, but um, it's it's tricky, isn't it, when people play for different clubs to try and get that? Yeah. Um, 
before we talk about the debutantes for the women's side, I also I want to touch on something that uh, Charlotte uh, pointed out with Nathan Nathan David. He was very receptive to you. He deferred a lot to you in the mix side of things. He was he really, I guess you could say, lend himself to be led, so to speak, under your leadership, and that's something that I got to give credit to for someone like him because. In a sport where we're still dominated by men, regardless of where you're from, to take to be willing to be led, that 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 says something. That's it. That speaks to his character. That speaks to his willingness to defer if need be, to accept criticism, to overall do what's best for the team, not so much for his ego. And I just wanted to take a second to acknowledge that because that can happen. If it can happen at the world level or the continental level, if you talk about Europe, it can happen at the rec level. It can happen at the competitive level. So if it can happen at that level, there's no excuse why, you know, it couldn't happen anywhere else. So props to Nathan for displaying a sense of character that deserves to be shut out for sure. Uh, But there's also one thing I want to shout out. Uh, Nathan David was definitely not British. He's definitely the last son of Krypton. Um, some of the the plays he was doing that I, that I caught on stream that I caught on his uh, Instagram were just unreal. Um, I think we touched on that before. He doesn't necessarily have a ceiling per se, but he exceeded whatever ceiling may have been, um, perceived. So I got to give him a shout out for that. He's like a eight out of 10 for Meteors most weeks. And then he just turned into a 12 out of 10 and we're looking forward to having 12 out of 10 ND permanently for us now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so so now the bar the bar is set high nathan i know you're listening the bar is set high for this coming season come october you better bring it to st george's park yeah, um, <laughs> so let's talk about some of the the women who were uh debutantes at the tournament anyone that um you were expecting or excited to play with charlotte um similar to brett not not in the way that to play with because she plays for Bedford Eagles, but um, Immy Sharp. So I was very excited for Immy to have her debut. Um, She came to Euros in 2019. Um, She would have played that Euros, but she was only 15. And the ruling, the the European committee said that she was too young to play, um, which Mm. was a shame, um, you know, to put a limit, to have age as your limiting factor to me seems a shame. Mm. Um, but yeah, so she made her debut and, and she was 17 a couple of weeks before her 18th birthday. So I was excited for her to be able to kind of finally get onto the, to the stage. Cause obviously she was thinking, Oh, next Euros 2020, I'll be able to play. Um, and then she's obviously had to have two years of lockdown and, and she's worked tirelessly, bless her, in her garden. And her dad has just taken a beating, I think, with her just yeah. throwing the ball <laughs> If you've seen any of her videos over lockdown, um, in uh, her Instagram stories, she's just been absolutely bossing it in her garden. But I think, you know, you know, credit to her, it's, it's actually made her a phenomenal player that she's kept on her skill level. Um, and obviously she plays for Bedford Eagles, same team as me. Um, so I knew exactly what she was capable of. Um, you know, she comes to training. We've had a really good season. Um, she's had a phenomenal season. So it was just, I was excited for her to be able to then just show what she's capable of 
on the international scene. Um, yeah. And obviously we, we play next to each other. She plays six and I play five. Um, and that carried through um, into England um, in, in, mo in some of the, the big matches. Um, so it was nice to be able to play alongside her. Um, and I thought she, ha she was incredible. I mean, in the yeah. final, she was <laughs> a, a different level. She really was. <laughs> Yeah, just um, a shout out! What an absolutely ridiculous player she is. Yeah. <laughs> like, honestly, that <laughs> yeah. she she looked super nervous before the final. I, I did think, oh, this this might be might be too soon, and then she was just absolutely insane in the final. Yeah, I think I think yeah. I mean, you you kind of want players to be that little bit nervous, but I I think the same as you. I thought the same as you, Brett. That oh, I hope. Yeah that the nerves don't get the better of her and now, and oh my God, they definitely did not. She was, nah. she, she was class all weekend actually. As soon yeah. as she stepped on court, it was just, yeah, yeah. amazing. She does amazing stuff. So yeah, <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad she's one of my players. So <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I got to meet Emmy in uh, Belfast and um, we were going over some phone things and I think I only gave her like a piece of advice or two cause I was kind of getting pulled in all directions but she took my advice and definitely, definitely became a different kind of beast, especially with foam. Um, <laughs> but the funny, the funny thing you mentioned about uh, Emmy was that prior to her landing, I told her, you know, I, I asked her, um, were you nervous? And she said, yes. And comedically, cause I'm sarcastic and I'm a prick that way. I literally just <laughs> said, just envision the six women you're going to play against as your father in your garden. And you won't <laughs> miss. <laughs> she just laughed so uh anyone that she, uh, she hit pretty hard i'm sorry um because <laughs> i think I, I gave her the wrong advice that hurt you guys <laughs> but but yeah pretty much just said just imagine you know the field is your garden and six different women being your the visage of, of your father and you won't miss because i know the video you're talking about it made me laugh still <laughs> um, <laughs> So let's talk about individually. So on the men's side, who would you say was the toughest player you uh, lined up across against, uh, uh, lined up against uh, Brett and One Nation? Tough question. Um, well, obviously, you know, the two closest games were the semis and the, the final against Austria and Northern Ireland. Um, Northern Ireland have this strange thing where they're like six equal parts that just come together and all play really well. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, I was up against Adam Hill, who I think has just got better and better every year. Um, I thought, you know, we had a fairly even contest down that side. So, uh, you know, shout out to him. I thought he was good. Um, and actually, like one of the lads from Sweden, I think it's like Torklinson or something. I can't remember. Um, he's sort of tall, blonde lad. Obviously, they all are. But um, yeah, I'm like, yeah, he, yeah, he was uh, he was really, really good. I was really impressed with him this tournament. I hadn't seen him before. I thought he was exceptionally good. So, I'm gonna give a shout out to them generally as just improving so much. So, I'm gonna mention those two realistically. What about you, Charlotte? Who was the toughest woman you lined up against, or toughest women you lined up against? I think um, obviously we we played really well up until that final and we i think we played well in the final as well but austria women collectively come together and they step it up another you know another gear and i think not necessarily individually but actually collectively again they they're just yeah they come together and they can you know punish you if you if you um you know falter or make any mistakes and um 
yeah, that was, I think, compared to any other team that we played that the whole weekend, they were just, you know, a step above. So I think them collectively um, were the ones for us, really. Even though we had a, we did have a, a close game um, mm. in our group, actually, um, against Wales. But um, I think that was mainly because we know the we know the players like we our styles of play um kind of fought against each other and we we knew those players but i think i think austria are just the austrian women were a step step up um massively actually to whatever we played the whole weekend so yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that, that's definitely something that you guys brought up there um with uh, Brett Koenig saying that northern ireland seemingly was like six parts that operated as one um yeah even though i would say adam hill is definitely the superstar of the team so to speak and there's definitely other names to shout out they played i'm going to shout out kelvin as well actually uh just kelvin lee i thought he had a ridiculous weekend uh i the reason i didn't mention him because i didn't really come up against him because they were on opposite wings um yeah but actually i thought he was i think he was their best player all weekend i thought he was exceptional that's fair. I mean, the question was who was the best player that, or the most toughest yeah. player you, you you lined up against. Yeah. But that is something to be said. Like they all, and, and I don't know what it was. The past two years, they just clicked. They became something of. Uh, how do I say this? So I don't know. I know you guys don't watch basketball. So there's this um, there's this team called the Detroit Pistons back in 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, not a single superstar on the team. Maybe one. But yeah. they beat the Lakers in the finals, and yeah. they you you could point to one player on that team who could be an all star, yeah. but they operated as a team and beat Shaq and Kobe. You know the team of the decade, and they did it. Yeah. And I look at you know um, Northern Ireland in that regard, like they operated as such a unit that yeah, you could say one or two superstars or whatever on the team, but you take those two guys out and they still operate it under that same premise, under the same blueprint. Uh, so yeah, shout yeah, out to yeah. them on that. Cause as far as I was concerned, Cinderella took the ball on that end. Yeah, um, I think, I, thought- I, I think that's what, where England needs to take away some takeaway things from that talk, from our tournament is that, you know, you can't, sometimes the synergy is just there from players. Like yeah. if they work well together, even if they aren't, you, you can't just have a team. I mean, we've seen it in football all the time. You can buy, you know, megastars, mm. but unless they gel together, it's, it's pointless. So yeah. I think that's probably one of our takeaways. Is actually, we need to make sure our team is all on the same page and all working in, you know, in, in synergy so that we've, we're a really yeah. tight unit. And I think actually that draws upon, we were lucky, I think, because the mix, you could really see that, is that actually we've played together years. We know what each other are doing. And, you know, I think personally, nine times out of 10, we would have won that semi-final. Um, I think, you know, just a, a kind of a drop in, in performance at a key moment meant that we, we, we then, you know, in a knockout tournament, we, we then got, got into the third place. But I think actually that's the kind of takeaway is that actually we don't need a whole six of people who can throw really, really fast or whatever it is, but actually that can work together as a team to become a, a unit. And I think, yeah, I think that's, that's something that's right. we want to drive towards. The chemistry is important, like, yeah. and I think that's a massive thing. I think, like, probably had you played, you know, the Spartans team against Ireland, they probably could have won that game. And if you played the Meteors team against Northern Ireland, they probably could have won that game. But then that doesn't necessarily work together. 
So you have to think about who plays together and who can play together and how we sort of gel best in those situations. Saying that, it was a crazy close match. I, I think that's the closest way you can lose in dodgeball over time by one player on on a maybe catch and out, maybe out and catch. I mean, I'm not going to get into it. I think it was an unbelievable game. So, But it's a, the closest way you can lose, that's for sure. I mean, yeah, I, that was something I was going to touch on. It's not like you guys got steamrolled at any given point. I think I we mean, gave it up, Sergio, to be honest. I honestly think it was – I think – uh, no, no, no disrespect. I thought Northern Ireland were brilliant, but I think we gave that game away rather than the other way. Um, I think some of our players, like our newer players, got a little bit influenced by the crowd. Um, I mean, I don't. It ne- didn't necessarily come off on stream that well. But yeah. Like, and I know Max touched upon it, but there were there was throughout the weekend there was an overwhelming amount of people booing the England team. Um, which, and like I say, I know Max tried to mention people tried to stop it and things like that, and. It, let me just say off the bat, you know, it affected me in no way whatsoever. It didn't affect the outcome of the game. But what I would say is if you want to be this inclusive, friendly, fun, super sterilized sport, then we, we have to cut those booze out because it doesn't go with the idea. And I know Max was saying that people were trying to stop it, but my view is it was overwhelming and it was throughout the weekend. Um, that's... That's definitely interesting because, like you said, it didn't come out on stream as well or no. as much. But I noticed it in the finals, semifinals, and third place game. The thing is, the thing is, I've had a little bit of time to reflect on it, and obviously, I'm I'm in the position. And if you indulge me for a sec, I'm in the position where uh, I've played since the the second ever Euro. So I've played ten Euros now since 2011. Um, pro- probably longer than all apart from maybe Arnie and Alex. So I, me and Charlotte probably played the second or third most of anyone in the, in the history of the sport. Um, and I, I, I remember in 2011, England weren't particularly liked back then because um, we were sleeping early and we were stretching and we were resting and we wanted to win. And at the time, it was a bit of a teams weren't, take, weren't taking it so seriously. And so we had this idea that you know, England are just there to, to win, et cetera, et cetera. Now, this idea that England don't necessarily integrate, I don't think is is personally true. I think like me, Simon, Alex, <clears throat> excuse me, Neely, Jack, we've all gone over to Austria. We played dodge and style. I went and coached for them in 2014 to help them out. Um, and I think England have a lot of friends, you know, in France, Croatia, Sweden, wherever. So for me, it's a bit of an easy get out to just say, well, England take it really seriously in England don't integrate and stuff like that. And I think, Sergio, you'll probably agree to an extent that across sport, and I know you watch a lot of it, people don't like successful teams and they can pretend it's nothing to do with success. But like, if you Google the top 20, I don't know, hated sports teams, you probably get the Yankees, Real Madrid, the Lakers, Liverpool, whatever it might be. Like the most successful teams are always hated. And it's always because allegedly they, you know, they don't toe the line or they want to win too much or you know, Novak Djokovic shouts at the ref or uh, Michael Jordan wants to win too much and cheats. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying we're a perfect team. We, the mentality of the England team for me has changed a lot. I think in terms of fair play, in terms of, um, you know, integration. So I've seen the change over 10 years, but I think we're a little bit stuck with this tag that we had from 10 years ago of these really mean, nasty people that just want to win. Um, and yet we have loads of people come up to us at the gala. And <laughs> I had it with Tamas and Nathan David. I had all these people come up, oh, you guys are really nice off the court. You're really chilled. Well, yeah, because sports on court and off court's off court. Do, do you see what I'm saying? 
Yeah, no, it's definitely uh, definitely a solid point you brought up. Um, This is where I was kind of mixed with, kind of, uh, and this is something I know you kind of heard with Max. Booing is a part of the sport, or part of sport as a general, as a general consensus. I've been, I've personally been cheered with and cheered against. Yeah, I can say that even playing here. Yeah. Um, but it is fair if we want to be as inclusive or whatever. We have to eliminate that at some point. Now, the stigma that you're talking about from, you know, 2011, 2012 onward, I could say that maybe maybe it did change. But because we haven't played in the past two years, some people are stuck in the past decade. Sadly, yeah. rightly or indifferently, that's the narrative. Uh, yeah. um, but then there's also this element where it's like, okay, yeah, we you know, England is successful. But we want to see, quote unquote, Cinderella take the ball. Yeah, you know, we want to see the bridesmaid walk down the aisle, so to speak. So, yeah. how, yeah. how, so from my point of view, then, I would say that England women, well, we haven't won Euros for the past five European championships. So, yeah. where, do, where, where does that come from? Because if we look at, if I look at my women's team this time, uh, to be honest with you, I'm the same as Brett. As soon as I can't hear anything, people always go, oh, did you hear the booze? No, when I'm playing, yeah. I don't hear nothing. I can't, I'm zone out. Like, it's, <clears> yeah. <throat> so, and, and also that wouldn't affect my game, wouldn't affect, and I don't think it affected the outcome at, over the um, European Championships. But there does seem to be this stigma around England and it does seem to be the women as well. When you watch the final back, you will have an overwhelming support for the Austrian women, which is you know people can support whoever they want to support but right. i still think and i agree with brett i think it's because they go oh well england women did this this and this and it's like yeah. we're not even the same team i think apart from me and maybe Liv, um live morris mm-hmm. i think and then and then there's maybe a couple that are not too many euros behind um we're a completely different team so yeah, we're not even the same players the same in the people. side the thing, yeah. the thing is, I'd say as well is, is I watched a load of the footage back, Sergio, and I, I can honestly find you, I could find you hits on Austria, hits on Northern Ireland, and, and those guys are super honest. Don't get me wrong, Northern Ireland. I could find false starts from Sweden. I could find a time I stood on the line, hundred percent. It looks like I was aware of it and wasn't, and should have gone and didn't, but wasn't aware of it. The point is, there's all these moments, but this idea that only England cheat is just. I think it goes back to those days where you know, we've still got that stigma as the team that wants to win. But now if you look at the Euros, everybody stretches, everybody rests, everybody doesn't drink before tournaments. And the thing is, all I would say is don't, like England deserve the respect in terms of don't boo because the reason the sport is at the level it is at is because England have driven it forward. Um, so don't hate us for historical reasons. Sure, um, you know, if you think somebody got hit and they didn't, if you want to boo them, boo them. I'm not going to cry about it. But all I would yeah. say is, is like Charlotte said, the team today probably has two or three of the same players they had 10 years ago. People are different. I've 100% seen the mentality change in terms of fair play. Um, so I would just say for the next Euros, have an open mind uh, if you're in that crowd, for example, and respect that people are different on court to how they are off court. And it's just, it's sport at the end of the day. That's, that's a, definitely a solid point, and and there's some, something I want to add to it. When you said that players are different on court than off court, I can sit here and say from both of you guys and from anyone I've seen uh, on that side, you guys can get it intense. 
Let's yeah. just call it what it is. Let's <laughs> let's let, let's just call it what it is. Like let's yeah. say if I'm playing with Charlotte, um, and I've been playing for 12 years, but let's say a handful of times that's cloth. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna defer to Charlotte as far as what she expects from me. Yeah. I mean, experience be damned. This is her game. This is her realm. You know, I'm gonna take the this is I'm gonna take the Nathan David approach. Like this is her realm. Whatever she wants me to do, I'm gonna do it to the best of my ability. But also, like, you guys didn't take it to a certain extent where I would consider it vulgar. Like, I would sit there and say, you guys were intense. You guys were maybe at times close to the line, but as far as I was concerned, you guys didn't cross it. I think you guys were intense with each other, intense with the competition, intense with the atmosphere. So that leads to my next question. Do you feel that the booing was more or less sport-related? And maybe we kind of touched on it. Maybe we didn't. Or do you think there was a sense of vulgarity against you guys as, as a team, as a nation, as a, as a, as a national program? Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's slightly more personal. And my view is there's, this, there's a huge mentality spectrum in dodgeball. Um, and that's obviously going to happen because people come from different sports. It's not a traditional sport. So... For example, I got back from the Euros on Wednesday and I played a football match on Saturday. And on that football <laughs> match, three of my teammates fell out. One of them stormed off. One of them shouted. One of them got into a fight. And we walked off afterwards and were laughing and they had a drink together in the bar. That's just, that's football, for example. I'm not saying that's what dodgeball should be. Right. Um, but in professional sport, those people who you consider the most competitive, most arrogant people, <clears throat> they're celebrated. Kobe Bryant. Michael Jordan, Floyd Mayweather, you know, Tiger Woods, whatever, Muhammad Ali. But if they're in dodgeball, it's vilified. Um, and I get it. We can make our own destiny in dodgeball. We can, we can come up with our own sport. But I don't think we push the line too much, personally. I think we play fair. I think it's got better. I think we can improve, 100%. I, I can improve as a player. I, I did Sergio. So I did this thing against Austria where I was holding the fifth ball as they were trying to reset them. It probably was within the rules because it's allowed 20 seconds for a reset. But it's not It's it's not on. I shouldn't have done it. And I apologized afterwards for it. And I'm not proud of it. So that's an example where I think, okay, I wouldn't do that again in future. I'm just being stupidly competitive and stupid. But that said, do we deserve booing as a nation? No, I think it goes back to historical things. That's my view. I I echo that. I think... I think all the people that you listed, they just have a desire to win. And at the moment, I feel, feel like if you have a desire to win, sometimes at, at like a European Championship, or you show that desire to win, which can come out in a number of ways, it might be that on court, if Brett turned around to me on, on court and, and, and literally was like, what the hell was that? I would just take that because that's sport. That's literally what happens. Yeah. And then off, you, you don't take things personally. You just, and it comes from a place of a desire to win. And yeah. that's what I want. I kind of, in a way, I want my teammates to be like that. I want that desire. I want that drive and determination to win. And sometimes that can come out in, in not, you know, the, the most positive ways. But yeah. at the same time, I think I'm with Brett, Brett on that. I've played a lot of football. And if, if, if people, you know, get it gets heated, you know, it's, it's a sport. It's a game. That's it. Yeah. You draw a line under it, you move on. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, you know, that's what's difficult even within the side, Sergio. So we have people from different backgrounds who, who, and I see it in different teams. And I get, like I say, dodgeball is a different sport. It's inclusive, it's fun, it's friendly. But I see people who lose in like for different teams in a quarterfinals or something. 
Um, and within a five seconds, they're celebrating with the opposition. I, I personally can't do that. That's just that's just where, where I'm from. I can't do that. Um, <laughs> no, I, need, I can't I need, do that. I need, an hour, I need an hour or a week or two weeks to think about it. Um, <laughs> but no, that's my thing. I'm saying, look, everybody can improve 100%. Everybody's going to try to improve on all aspects of their game. I'm not saying no, anyone's perfect. But the, all my thing is I'm saying is don't boo England because we've advanced the sport, we've helped the sport, nobody's perfect, we get involved. I, I've got friends from across Europe. We are as involved in the community as everybody. And let's just, you know, it's hypocritical to boo in those situations if we're as inclusive as we say we are. I think, I think really it should be, my stance on it is always cheer for the team you want to win, but don't boo for the other team. You just cheer yeah. louder for the team you want. That's it. Yeah. That, that was going to be what I was going to touch on. Uh, right there um you can always root for your for your home nation or whatever or home country not because not everyone's a home nation uh, <laughs> but you don't have to do it at the expense of booing someone else yeah i think that's right but but what i would say is you know the tournament was fun you know we we weren't offended well i certainly wasn't offended by it it didn't affect the results i don't want anyone to, to listen to this and go oh, <clears throat> that's the reason you lost no like, no in the final, we lost by the barest of margins, and we can work on that. And, that. and we lost that because we lost that, simple as that, and because those lads were brilliant. And in the mixed, we dropped off, and we can improve that. And I don't need any excuses. It just came up in conversation there, so I just want to make clear that I'm not making excuses for anything. Yeah, and for, from the women's side of things, I don't actually think we, as a team, felt any any kind of negative connotations towards us during the final. I don't remember it anyway, to be honest no. with you. Yeah. Um, but actually, you'll ask any of our girls, we got outplayed in the final and that's just the bottom line of it. Like we've we've got to regroup, rebuild and and look how we can, you know, improve on those fine margins because, yeah, you know, yeah. we're, we're moving forward. We want to win the next one. That's, you know, that's where we want to go. And I think that I had I had you know, one of my teammates, I'm not going to say who it was, had their family come out, Sergio, to watch. And they were supporting England for the final. And they said they actually felt intimidated being in that crowd. And, and that's just not what we want as a sport. You know, we don't yeah. want people to feel intimidated. Um, well, here's my view. I think that's what most people don't want. Obviously, I'm from a football Liverpool away day background. If we want to make it that sport, <laughs> all props, <laughs> let's do it. I don't care. Bring the players <laughs> out, I say. But um, no, I don't think we want to go that way. So that that's just that point. But uh, overall, fantastic tournament, fantastic atmosphere generally good level of fair play you could find five ten examples per team of moment i mean i've seen people stand in the line in the final that didn't get called out i've seen me stand in the line in the semi-final and not get called out but then i've seen really honest people in you know overtimes ask the ref if they're out when they know they are like it happens both ways everybody can improve themselves as a player and as a person for sure and i'd also say from a from watching it on a stream can be a very different perspective of whether you're there. Cause sometimes I've got family to go, Oh, there were so many times they were hit. And I was like, no, I, I don't remember any of those. And actually when I watched it back, I'm like, no, that's not a hit. Cause it's very different watching it on a stream to being there, whether you 100%, know you've been hit or not. And, so, and, I mean, there's this one where I'm being called out. I think it's against the, uh, it's in a mixed game and I'm being called out by one of the Swiss players. I watched it back yesterday. It bounces halfway up the court. I jokingly sent it to the guy. I was like, oh, by the way, just to let you know. Um, and it's just perspectives. And, and I think Max touched on it on, on the podcast. Sometimes 
I mean, there was one in the final. I blocked a referee three feet away from me, instantly called block. The crowd booed because they said it hit my shoulder. It's like, you know, you've either got to respect the ref or you don't. And like you say, sometimes you look back on stream and go, that's not quite how it actually unfolded in, in yeah. that yeah. time. And actually the line the line fault thing is, is even more kind of irritating because as a player, and I'm sure you're the same, you don't know whether you stepped on that line. And if you don't get no. called out for it, then it's, that's on the line ref because you're not looking down at your feet all the time. You don't know where you are sometimes mm -hmm. if it's very, you know, you've just nicked the edge or whatever it is. So I feel yeah. like the line one is, is difficult because actually I'm not looking at my feet m majority of the time. So it, yeah. it's, it needs to come from the, the line ref who is doing their job. I mean, there is this hugely embarrassing one of me stepping on the line. And I, I have to admit, I've looked at the video and it looks, it fully looks like I'm staring straight at my feet and I've got no defence on the video, but to say <laughs> it wasn't like that. In, it honestly was not that in real time. You, you, it's so quick, you just look back up. But like I said, one of the Irish lads, and they're the most honest guys in my opinion, I've found a video where he's about five feet out the back of the court, but it happens. Like, uh, I'm not going <laughs> to cry about these decisions. Yeah, I mean... It, and this is part of why I wanted to do part of what I wanted to do recaps for, because sometimes I could, and again, this is just to explain where I'm coming from. I'm watching these games at five, six, seven, eight AM in the morning, yeah. you know, relative to the time zone you guys are playing it. So a lot of things may not be caught over or may not translate over on stream that may be better translated in person. So what I saw on stream this is why I have you guys here for. This is why I want you guys to illustrate a better picture for me overall. Yeah. Because I think clearly there's some things I obviously missed or things I don't remember. But I also think just dodgeball generally is this melting pot of sports and backgrounds and mentalities and, and, and countries. And let's be honest, countries have different, you know, outlooks. I mean, Sergio, you'll probably, and Charlotte, remember the, the classic Luis Suarez handball in the World Cup, you know, I mean, you could probably ask most of the nations and half of them would say that was absolutely uh, disgusting. He should never have done that. And half of them would say, well, he took his punishment, a red card, and he tried to win it for his country. And this is the point. People have different perspectives depending on their upbringings, their backgrounds, their sports. And so that's why we're going to get these mixtures of views. But I think everybody is heading in the right direction and trying to. Um, and that's my honest view on it. For sure. yeah, and I think from, from my point of view, every single team that we played, um, whether that be mixed or women's, I didn't, I don't think there was any kind of um, cheating from like a, a conscious cheating or, you know, right. there may be a line fault here and stuff like that, or you're not sure if it's a block onto you or whatever, but they're kind of like, 50-50 decisions, you cannot blame a player for not going out. If it's a 50-50 decision, you know, you, you, you ask the referee and then you just, whatever the referee says is final. That's it. You move on. Um, yeah. But I, no team, I would never have any concerns with any team that I played or even saw at the championships. I think it was very honest. I think it was all done in, in, in good spirit. So, and I think, you know, the sportsmanship, the gamesmanship was really good. So. Yeah, I agree. For sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, you guys essentially finished top three across the board, similar to Austria. And there's something I wanted to highlight on that end too. Um, again, like, uh, you know, Brett Koenig said, you guys, you know, he lost by the skin of his teeth by a second. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you might consider yourself 12 or 11 or 10 superstars on a team. I don't know how many were rostered, 
but you guys have an interesting problem to have that most nations would like to have. Mm. I mean, you guys have, you know, half of Spartans, half of Meteors, a couple Rangers, maybe a Storm or two. Um, you might have a couple Bedford Eagles, a couple Bs, a couple, you know, this or that. You guys just have to find a way to gel. And I think with the players you guys have and the program you guys now have under the leadership of Jen, Jen Alam, you guys will figure that out in in a year's time. I almost said two years' time. No, a year's time. Yeah. Um, because you guys want to gel. The mentality is there. The, the, the identity of England is there. You guys want to find a way to gel. I think also, yeah. in terms of our preparation, we didn't have as much preparation as we normally do, as many training yeah. sessions as we normally do in the lead-up to Euros, which, you know, with... Uh, with the women's we had a very new whether that be new new to the england setup or new to you know um international we had a very new squad um yeah. so that required a lot of gelling and actually you know maybe if we would have had longer um you know those fine margins would have closed and actually that, that's something that we can work on moving forward so actually we i when i found out it'd be in october that actually yeah. in my head I was like, right, that's actually even more time to make sure that we're, you know, all all working on the same page and actually we're closing those fine margins and we're working together because as you said, players from different clubs have different game styles and different ways of playing. Um, but we want to make sure that's unified when they come to England that we're all on the, you know, all drive the, the same way. I completely agree. And the, the one other point I was going to make in terms of perhaps where England have a tricky situation is, and you may or may not be aware of it, Sergio, the, the, the dead zone we play with in Europe is bigger than the ones we play with in British dodgeball rules. I noticed that. <laughs> There's so, a lot of blue cards there. And so one of the issues we have, in my opinion anyway, it's not really what I've communicated yet, but I probably will, is we pick our team based on a different set of rules and, in fact, almost a different game entirely. So, for example, somebody can be a very good player in British dodgeball because the throws come from further back. They have more time to dodge or they can catch the ball, for example. And then we pick them for a different format in which the court is smaller. You have less time to dodge and you have less ability to catch. So we're almost selecting people for a different version of the sport. So what we either need to do is, I think, change the British lines to match the European lines because then mm. you can conclusively say... For example, there could be players that are very good at European rules dodgeball that don't look so good at Super League and St George's because the format's different. So by unifying it, we can then say these are conclusively the best players at this version of the sport. Because I think some people you know, struggle with, with different lines and some people thrive and we need to realise who they are by unifying our, our, our sort of court. I think on the same, the same kind of page as that, our mixed league does not lend itself at all to the mixed tactics that you have to play at the European True. level. So, True. I mean, if you look at our mixed team, not that many of the mixed team for England played at the um, in the mixed leagues, but it didn't actually make much difference because they play wall to wall. Mm. So actually, mm. the, the the tactics are completely different. And yeah. I, I remember having a conversation with Tamas. Uh, from Bedford Rangers, I said, oh, your mixed team did well. And he looked at me and he said, Charlotte, but we played to a wall. So we basically win the middle ball. We walk up yeah. with three, we release the ball at the wall and we get it back every time. And it's then it. practice. Mm -hmm. So it then, see, so then you want, you want British dodgeball to kind of come into line and actually just having an open court would make such a difference to those mixed leagues. Mm -hmm. And actually, we've got, 
we're actually setting our mix players up correctly because at the moment I feel like we're failing the mix side a little bit in terms of the setup of the hall. And I understand it's it's difficult to get the right venue and, and I wouldn't want that job um, to sort out the venue and make sure the costings are right. But actually as a mixed league, wall to wall is I'm thinking from the women's side as well. It's just devastating for the women because you, you feel like you can't really do much wall to wall when you've got it's a different game, isn't it? Yeah, it's a completely different game. Yeah. So, obviously, this is coming from a perspective of someone who's never been to St. George's Park but would like to be there one day to check out a Super League matchup. Would it be easier to set up, say, that neutral zone to be smaller or bigger, depending oh, on the yeah. court size? Oh, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's just, it, yeah, there's there's enough room. It's just actually a different court dimensions. Mm-hmm. That It would be so easy. Okay. And I think it makes sense, like I say, if, if, if that's what they're doing across Europe because – we, I, I've just, I've, I've seen players who I think, wow, you're, you're not playing as well as you can. I think, well, maybe your game doesn't suit this version as much because it's more aggressive. It's higher up the court. There's less reaction time, etc. And there's other people that, that do really well at it. And you think, uh, or, and I can think of people actively that maybe would play better at league. And we might even see a change to the standings. You know, bigger throwers, more aggressive teams will may, maybe do well better. I mean, it would be good for Meteors and Bedford Eagles, so. Yeah, <laughs> I was waiting for one of you guys to say something like that. I was like, "This is it's coming." One of these guys are going to say it. One of these guys are going to say it. I'm just going to let it happen. Just like, all right, cool. I mean, not not just because you know we've got quite a big uh, throwing power, and actually getting closer means that we can just put the big hits on. But actually, from from an England point of view, we've got a lot of players who've played that that set of rules and on that court size yeah. within each team. So, I mean. I can imagine when you, if you guys are playing wall to wall and it favors your style, it's kind of like facing Mike Tyson in the '90s, where it's like if he, you know, facing him in the ring is one thing, but if he has you cornered against the ropes or whatever, that's free real estate as far as he's concerned. You're in a bit um, of trouble then. Huh? <laughs> yeah, you'd be in a bit of trouble then. <laughs> yeah, um, I know people nowadays, you know, look at Mike Tyson and think, okay, this guy is just a reality TV show host. No, this man was a bad man when I was in you know, five, six, seven years old, okay? Don't get it twisted. <laughs> I got VHS tapes in my closet of old school Mike Tyson fights that'll show you this man is no joke. I wouldn't even want to mess with Mike Tyson now. No, uh, <laughs> and he, he has a house 20 minutes from me, so <laughs> if he's on my side of the street, I'm just crossing. I'm just not going to do it. I know better. <laughs> you know, the definite guarantees in life. Death, taxes, and, you know, don't mess with Mike Tyson. <laughs> um, just, just things right there. If if I don't make it to Croatia, just assume it was Mike Tyson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but let's let's talk about the overall atmosphere of, I guess we can call it the after party. Um, but before we go there, actually, I forgot to mention this with Max. Apparently, there was a wedding proposal or a proposal that took place. Yeah, there was. The, the yeah, two, uh, two people from Hungary. Uh, they did it. Um, before the after party and so you know it was really nice for them i didn't really i, I hadn't met them before but it was nice but you uh, saw it yeah i saw it it was just in the the closing ceremony kind of thing do we have to talk about after party it was so much alcohol in these initiations <laughs> oh let's do it let's do it let's <laughs> let's go it's uh, charlotte's husband's fault because uh, <laughs> Ar- arnie leads what's called initiations <clears throat> for uh, the men's and there's a hell of a lot of port and spirits and things involved in games and 
we can't speak of the details of it. Um, but it's after four days of, of tournament and dehydration and lack of food and sleep. And so it, I would say it hit me probably the worst in the changing rooms. I was about drunk and done by seven o'clock. Um, Simon, Simon Jones then got substantially worse. Um, and I actually, the good thing about getting drunk so early is I'd sobered up by about 10 o'clock and I was done for the night. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Um, Charlotte. So I guess, uh, I guess, I guess his name is Arnie. Um, yeah. What, what the hell, man? What, why is he trying to wipe out the entire England squad? <laughs> what a legend. Uh, well, what a legend. I, he, he comes from a rugby background. And so initiations, drinking lots and that kind of changing room I guess atmosphere is just what he's used to and I think I think it's a nice I mean obviously I'm not part of the men's because they do it in their own changing room in you know whatever but I think it's actually nice team and we yes. do it as the women's as well I don't think we go as far as what the men um, but yeah, I think I think it's just you know as a team bonding team atmosphere, it's just a nice thing to do, and I think a lot of other sports do it. I don't know yeah. if, if that's if that's just in the UK, but we like to drink and party after. So. I mean, that's a British identity. Let's just call it what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, partly <laughs> Mexican too. But I I, I want to point out something. I've had Brett Koenig on at least now three times, is and it? that's the only time I've ever heard an ounce of fear. In his voice, when he was talking about alcohol, do we have to talk about the alcohol? That made me want to talk more about the alcohol than anything. Sergio, <laughs> I've I'm never heard an ounce of fear until that moment. I'm a notorious lightweight. Literally, one or two drinks will have me um, on the floor. Really? Oh yeah, oh yeah. But um, I mean, so, so Simon Jones was worse, having thrown up five times, including stopping the taxi on the way to the venue. Wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, he was uh, he was he was far worse than me. So okay, um, because and this is just you know rumors coming at, from from my end. I hear you're the prime drinker out of that I, squad. I, I, I'm the prime lightweight. You're the prime lightweight. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, mean, I think yeah, Arnie could probably put away a hundred times the volume I could with ease. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not messing with that man. No, no offense, Charlotte. If I see that man in Croatia, my liver is already going to take a pounding. I'm not trying to go home in, in the ER. No, this is well, not gonna... I think I think so. We had um, Alex Such, who's did who's doing lots of social media and taking pictures for us. What a and, guy. and Arnie went and spoke to him and said, "Oh, we're doing initiations after in the change rooms. Come and join." And he was like, "Yeah." And I don't think he quite knew what it meant. And <laughs> also, our our women's coach <laughs> Simon. Um, he was like, oh, initiations with you girls. And we were like, no, you're not coming with us. You're with the guys. And I could see his face drop a little bit and was like, oh, okay. Bearing in mind, those two didn't even make it out of the changing rooms. They were uh, gone. <laughs> Alex was Alex is a legend. Big shout out to Alex. Um, but yeah, he, Alex, uh, yeah, there was a moment actually when, let's just say that there was some sort of bodily slaps involved, Sergio, people being hit. Um, and Alex was nominated to pick somebody to, to slap him on the chest. And of his own volition, he says, hold on, you lads have all suffered this weekend. I'm going to suffer. You can all slap me. <laughs> and so we lined up one after another. And, well, the rest was history. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Um, 
uh, Alex Suchman, uh, you the real MVP for taking one from the team. I mean, there's one. <laughs> there's one thing to take one for the team. He took yeah. one from the team. <laughs> yes. Um, he did. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you guys have better better healthcare than we do. So I mean, he, he'll be all right. Uh, yeah. I speak that from the American side. I can make fun of that. But oh, Jesus Christ, initiation. But I think I think to be honest, the boys were uh, very proud of uh, of I don't know of their injuries as such. Yeah. I don't know. They were showing <laughs> they were, off oh, their marks. Yeah, yeah, they were showing them fully off. Like, yes, I'm fully initiated, kind of thing. <laughs> this is what happened, and <laughs> it's great for team bonding. It's brilliant. Um, I mean, guys are just stupid that way, Charlotte. I don't care if you're British <laughs> yeah. or, in my case, Hispanic. <laughs> Like, we're stupid that way. I could sit here and have a gash on my arm, and your first thought would be, oh, we got to put it, you know, take him to the emergency room. My first thought is, yo, Brett, take a picture of this. (laughs) (laughs) It would literally be that. Like, it would be that, but I would say that in English or Spanish. It's just literally the only difference is language. Guys are just stupid that way. I'll just put that out there. Well, maybe, maybe, Sergio, in Croatia, we will bring you in for your own initiation if you're lucky. Okay. Um, <laughs> so let me write out my last will and testament right here. Um, this is this is going to go to my co-host Steve. Steve, if you don't hear from me, not this October, but next October, your boy didn't survive initiation. Um, <laughs> just you gonna have to take over international duties. <laughs> but no, I look forward to it. I look forward to. Um, yeah. Meeting you guys. Well, I've already met you, Brett. Meeting yeah. Charlotte. Meeting Arnie. Um, apparently, I've had copious amount of alcohol coming my way and an initiation <laughs> process. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> crap. Um, I got to. I got to shout out Max. Max Golda, who I had on, who's going to help me with my situation in uh, Croatia. But at the same time, I also got to condemn him for putting me to death in this case. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Um, all right. Well, well, I'll take one for the team. Alex, you ain't got to suffer. I already said it on camera. I'm not cutting. I'm not cutting this in post. So, okay. as we got through the debauchery, <laughs> what is your biggest, or not biggest takeaway? But what are you looking forward to when uh, Croatia happens? And we can start with Charlotte. I think for me, I think there was a lot of talent and a lot of promise and a lot of de- development from the England to every team. So the men's the mix and the women's. And actually it, is, it comes down to fine margins. And I think I'm excited for the next, you know, year, year and a bit to to work on those fine margins and come out stronger in Croatia. And I think we've got such um, amazing and talent, talented players that actually it is going to be a really tough England training year. It's going to be tough because, <laughs> you know, you know, they, they're all, everyone's going to be wanting to drive forward. And actually that's going to make, make me obviously, and, and everybody a better player. So I'm very excited to, to get back with the team and start focusing on Croatia, to be honest with you. Nice. What about you, Brett? We yeah, look forward I mean, to heading into Croatia. Yeah. I mean, whenever you lose, I think um, you, you want to get back straight away. And that's what's, frustrating about the next October thing is I want to play today. I want to play Northern Ireland right now. Um, <laughs> but the, the England generally bounce back quite well from defeat. Um, when, we, when we've had it fairly rarely in the past, we bounce back well and we're going to train hard. And I think we know the takeaways on how to improve. And I think if we have a fully fit squad 
And if we get the selection right in terms of both the squad and the team, and I think there's, there's things to be said around those, which I'll, I'll feedback. If we get it right, um, I'm absolutely convinced. And this is probably at a point where half of the dodgeball community will go, he's super arrogant, and half of them will go, oh, fair play. But I'm absolutely <laughs> convinced we're going to go and win the golds back. I think um, it's in our hands. We can do it if we if we play well enough. And um, that's a good thing. And I always say that to, to my Meteors lads. I said, if you're at your best, you'll win today. And that's a lot better situation than being in well, you'll have to be at your best and your opposition won't have to be at the best. So they'll have to be below their standard. So I'm looking forward to getting the team back together, working on things we need to improve in. Um, and again, just getting involved in that whole Euros environment. It was amazing to see everybody after, for me, four years in Charlotte as well. I love yeah. seeing familiar faces again. I loved uh, the atmosphere, wearing the kit, the uh, feeling of seeing everybody off course, uh, catching up. So I want that whole vibe to be back. I want everybody to... Uh, enjoy themselves and I want it to be the best Euros yet and I'm sure it will be both on and off court. For sure. <clears throat> I think you guys are going to bounce back great and we can call next year the revenge tour because uh, <laughs> yeah. if anything, you know, the one thing I, I would say is uh, the standard has improved across the board, but yeah. it's all about the adjustment as well. And I think you guys are well equipped with that, with your program being led yeah. by uh, Jenna Lam and a few others under her lead. So yeah. I would expect nothing less for, from you guys, for sure. All right, and that was part two of the Euros recap. Uh, I want to thank Max Golda, uh, Brett Koenig, and Charlotte Josiah for hopping on. I also want to shout out the Catching Out podcast, who are also covering Euros. If you want to take a listen, I'll drop a link to episode one um, in the comments below uh, so you guys can listen to that on Spotify or watch them on YouTube. Uh, it's good to see that there's more content out there and, as someone who creates it, I'm also a fan of it. Um, my next guest will be Matteo Mini, and um, that's definitely going to be a good one. That's a long time in the making right there. And, um, yeah, it's going to be fun talking to him. I, other than that, I'll announce my next guest uh, shortly. I definitely plan to have more content creators and obviously more players, coaches, refs, and hopefully more university students to talk about their school and what's special about it. Um, I mean, I know we're almost 15 episodes into season six, but it already feels like it's a wild ride and I can't wait to see where it goes from here. So if you've listened up to this point, thanks so much and have a wonderful day.